Good morning, Westridge. Can you believe after today there's only one more message in this series, a brand new you? Oh, you're getting better at patronizing me. I like that. That's the same old you, but uh, in my mind, anyway, there's, uh, there's sort of an underlying assumption to get to a brand new you. And first, and first it's this, and that is that you've got to want it. You've got to want it. And also, in my mind at least, and admitting there are things that exist in my mind that don't exist in reality, but there's a, both a sequence and a progression and an ascension to the order in which we're covering these topics. That is to say, you can't get to next week's topic without first really coming to grips with the first week's topic. So, you've really got to want to get in the game. That's awareness. That's situational awareness. That's being attentive. And you've got to really want to stop pretending. That's transparency. And today, the big takeaway is you've got to really want to accept responsibility. That's self-control. And the bigger frame biblically is this, and that is that Jesus calls us to a life that's more than prohibitions. He calls us to a life that is inspiring, compelling, urgent. He challenges us to be known more for what we uh, do instead of what we don't do. We're drawn, not pushed, to the quality of life that He offers. He frees us to dance, not stagger through life. The life that is living involves being aware, intuitive, attentive, discerning, It involves being transparent, owning our story, being freed from the energy drain that comes from mask wearing. And today, one more essential of a brand new you. Self-control. Now, most of us like to be in control. Some of us are even control freaks. You know who you are out there. Occasionally, we're out of control. Sometimes we lose control. We frequently want to know who's in control. We may label others as controlling. Point to the person if that's the case for you. At times, we want to call mission control. Some even practice birth control. But most of us struggle with the most difficult kind of control, self-control. Any conversation about a brand new you is going to involve self-control. Here's what the Bible says about that topic. It goes like this. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline or self-control. Now, I happen to think there's a bit of confusion about the distinction between self-control and allowing God to be in control. I mean, after all, which is it? Am I in control, or is God in control? The Bible encourages us to be spirit-led, and yet, how is it that self-control is also valued? As a result, I see a lot of what I label false spirituality. It's a spirituality that sits back, procrastinates, is lazy and then ends up blaming God or other people for the ensuing misfortunes. That kind of spirituality is, in fact, more magical thinking than true spirituality. This kind of magical thinking 
bathed in artificial Christianese, views the Bible as a magic charm and God as genie in a bottle, waiting for us to hit upon the right incantation before He does our bidding. Now, it's true, God is sovereign, which basically means He does what He wants to do when He wants to do it. And if He wants to rain down gold on your porch this afternoon to increase your wealth, I suppose He can. The rest of us, however, will have to get up and go to work in the morning. But I suggest, until the gold coins start hitting the ground, that you get up and go to work in the morning as well. Here's the fact of the matter. God grants us responsibility for our life. That doesn't mean you're to blame for everything that happened. That doesn't mean you're accountable for everything that happens. But you are responsible. You might think about the things that happened to you in childhood, the most vulnerable time of your life, and say, you know, surely I'm not responsible for that. Today, as an adult, you are. You have the ability to choose your reaction to those childhood events. True spirituality includes self-control, and it accepts this fundamental biblical truth. God grants me responsibility for my life and the things that happen in my life. Now, God adds His blessings, maybe a few miracles along the way, the gift of good friends. But under God, I'm responsible for my life. What I am not is a victim. Those who practice self-control stop saying, why are they doing this to me? And they start saying, why am I doing this to myself? Now, that holds true for any, any problem that you're currently having. Your difficulties are not the fault of climate change, the price of gasoline, organized religion, your in-laws, or the management of the cubs. I am responsible. I'm responsible. So are you. Uh, let, me, let me try to give you a, a concrete illustration. Take a look around you here this morning. It's not a trick. It's not a trick. I mean, really. You see the walls and the lights, the ceiling. You see the people sitting around you. And would we all agree we had a, a marvelous worship experience, music, the band. I'm so happy I custom wrote those songs for the band today to fit my series. Um, so let me ask you this question. How is it that this building is here and that you are here and that this Sunday morning experience was created. How was it? How'd that happen? Did this just drop down out of heaven? And did you just, you know, mysteriously uh, get transported here and rematerialize like a Star Trek episode? It began with a vision that God gave our founding pastors 15 years ago. And that vision was shared by another organization that provided finances, and guidance. If that vision had not been present, this church would not be here. And what is God's part? God's part is to provide the vision to the right people at the right time. And what's the job of those who receive the vision? To listen, to practice self-control, and to bring the vision to life. And so years ago, people, many of whom you will never know, had a God-given vision 
They listened. They practiced self-control. They took responsibility to make the vision come true. They planned. They strategized. They were financially generous. They worked long hours with little thanks and no guarantees. And today, this church is God's gift to us. This church could not have existed without God, but it would not have existed without the self-control and the discipline of those who were listening to a vision, practicing self-control, accepting responsibility. That outline will fit just about any circumstance in your life. Listening, practicing, accepting. Self-control is deciding for ourselves the direction we want our story to take. It's about writing the kind of story that we're meant to write, not the story someone else wants us to write. Self-controlled people write their own stories, conceive their own plot, decide when it's time to wrap up a chapter and begin a new chapter. We don't tailor our stories to fit someone else's plot. We don't write our stories to fit the script dictated by others. Last week we talked about being transparent, about owning our stories. We talked about the fact that there's much in our life over which we don't have control. The genetic blueprint passed down to us, the environment in which we were raised, were not things over which we had a say. As a result of that reality, there are some limits to our life. We can't be everything or anything we want to be. We just can't. You know, for example, my two early childhood dreams are at this point in my life stage probably not going to be a reality. I'll probably not play basketball for the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> Though I have to say, with Derrick Rose injured, there's a spot for me on the roster right there. I'll probably not be a front man for a rock and roll band. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's not right. I didn't say it was right. It's just it's not going to happen since I can't carry a tune. I can write these wonderful songs that our bands play, but... However, if I have self-control, I can take the raw materials that I was given and I can still end up writing a good story, no matter how unpromising my early beginnings were. For example, no matter what someone does to me, I can push the pause button before I react. I can do that. Self-control is about accepting responsibility for the direction our lives are taking. Now... Have I established we're responsible? Do we all agree on that before we move on? Okay, those of you who don't agree, the service is over for you. (laughs) Now, with that established, here's the paradox. We get control of our lives ultimately not by willpower, but by surrender. So let me suggest a couple of areas of surrender that help us regain self-control. Here's the first area. We surrender the need to win the approval of other people. One certain way to thwart self-control is to deliver our lives over to other people's approval. Living a life of others in control instead of self-control puts you on the treadmill going nowhere because we can never quite get enough approval to satisfy us. Every pat on the back leaves us needing more pats on the back the next time. And the chase becomes depressing. The hot pursuit of approval 
finally leads us to despair. The time comes when we get too tired for the hunt and we submit to the sneaking hunch that's been lurching in the back of our mind for way too long that we, after all, really aren't good enough for anyone's approval, at least not the approval of anyone that counts. And when we get to this point, we can sink into a minor or even a major depression. And do I have to tell you when you get to that point, that's a loss of control. In the discipline of surrender, we admit to ourselves that we tried to get control of our lives by controlling other people's approval. And then we move on to the practice of surrender. So let me suggest that you repeat this over and over again, aloud and alone. God's love and my integrity give me the freedom to live without other people's approval. And the practice of saying those words over and over again, alone and aloud, becomes a means of grace that make them come alive in our life. Area number two. Surrender number two. We surrender by letting go of the unfair wounds we did not deserve. Now last week I said the transparent life owns its wounds. Someone you trusted betrayed you. Someone you loved brutalized you. Someone you depended upon left you dangling alone. You're deeply hurt even this many years later. But it's not only the hurt that we remember. It's the feeling of outraged at being wrong. So there are two things going on here. There is the actual wrong itself. And then there's the feeling of outrage that it happened at all. Hurt and wronged. The memory of it is like a video that gets permanently installed in our minds. We can't turn it on, we can't turn it off. We're condemned to let it play its reruns in our minds over and over again. And when a bitter memory of a wrongful pain takes control, guess what? We lose control. And so why do we hang on to it? One reason is that nothing on earth makes us feel more virtuous than remembered wrongs. Few things give us such a perverse pleasure because when we continue to remember and store up anger of outrageous acts committed against us, another thing happens. We gloss over our own wrongdoings. So yeah, there were some pretty outrageous things that have been done to me. But if I harbor that and play that on an endless loop, what I don't come to grips with is I've done some outrageous things. And I need to look at those two. And I need to own it and forgive it. Because the only way back to self-control is through forgiveness. When we forgive, we surrender the basic human right to get even. But this surrender is not a defeat. It's an ultimate win. When we forgive an ancient wrong... We set a prisoner free, and we discover that the prisoner we set free is us. We've taken control back from the wrongdoer. When we forgive, we can dance again to the melody of healing. 
When we forgive, we can reclaim control of our lives from the slavery of a hurting memory. But mark this well, God can forgive wholesale. We have to do it retail. We forgive in increments. It's more like reinvesting small dividends each month rather than hitting it big in a single day. Forgiveness, like anything else, gets easier with practice. Now, one last quick point. There's a big difference between self-determination and self-control. Self-determination is gritting your teeth, putting your head down, and running head first through any barrier that you see. Have you ever done that? Come hell or high water, I'm going to double down on this one. And most times, that results in bad teeth and a hurting head. Self-control is about regaining the, the control that God has given to you, that He intends for you to have under His guidance. And self-control contributes to a brand new you. In the early 60s, there was a very famous test. In fact, if you Google it today, you'll see pages yet about it. It was called the Marshmallow Test. It was conducted by psychologists at Stanford University. And uh, maybe you can visualize this like like I do. The psychologist tested four-year-olds for self-control. Now, that in and of itself may be an oxymoron. But they set the test up this way. They gave each child a marshmallow. And they told each child they can eat their marshmallow anytime they want to eat their marshmallow. But if they waited just 15 minutes without eating their marshmallow, they would get... Another marshmallow. We've got some marshmallow eaters here, I see. Now, you can guess what happened. The majority gobbled up the marshmallow right away. A few, about a third to be exact. They waited, and they won the prize of a second marshmallow. Follow-up studies showed that the results correlated well with success levels later in life. And they're still interviewing those kids today in adulthood. Reviews conducted that they concluded that self-control is correlated with positive life outcome. Now that's sort of psychologist psychologist lingo. And while the test measured a degree of self-control, it didn't explain how to get it. Does better education, nutrition, technology give us self-control? We've got more and better of all those things, and I'm for them, and they've improved. But would anyone in the year 2012? say our ability to live a self-controlled, responsible life has increased. The only way we can live with awareness and transparency and self-control is to ask God and believe God will give us a spirit of power, of love, and self-control. We can't control the world, but we can control how we think about it. It could be right now, right now, 
you're trying to decide whether to hang on to a past wound or just let it go. Could be right now you're, you're deciding whether to lash out or chill out. You're trying to decide whether or not to follow God's vision for your life or someone's expectation for your life. I don't know what the marshmallow is for you. But I know this. It's juicy. And you'd like nothing more than a sugary, gelatinous morsel. And I know another thing. You want that marshmallow, and guess when you want it? You want it right now. I know these things because that's true of me also. I want revenge now. I want approval now. I want justification now. I want all the accounts settled, and I want them settled now. Complete. Paid in full. End of story. Now. Maybe you want to pick up the marshmallow of blame, and you want to say it's someone else's fault. You want to pick up the marshmallow of others' approval, and you're willing to compromise anything to get it. Wouldn't it be so tasty to ingest the marshmallow of unfair wrongs? And oh, by the way, overlook my own wrongdoings. I don't even like marshmallows, and that sounds appealing to me. But the spirit of self-control God gives us says there's a brand new you up ahead. One that can wait. One that can walk away. One that can let it go. One that can take responsibility. It really is possible to have a brand new you. Just tell yourself this week, I don't have to eat that marshmallow. 